Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here's this week's message. I've um, answered this um, question about 10 times, so I'll uh, answer it for everyone. Uh, I twisted my knee this morning. That's why I'm limping a little bit, okay? Uh, I've had bad knees for a long time and sitting for almost 20 hours in airplanes uh, yesterday didn't help. And then this morning, I caught it on the carpet and twisted it, so I uh, put my knee brace back on. and So I'm limping a little bit, but that's okay. So um, God is still here. Had a great trip. I'll give you a bit of a more of a update next week when I've been able to put some pictures together. But I was in Ghana for the West Africa Regional um, Leaders Meeting for Vision International University. And we had men there from uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Togo, Benin, Ivory Coast, and Liberia. And I had a great time, and then I traveled by road um, from Ghana to, to Ivory Coast, which is always an interesting experience. Um, it was a six-hour drive to the barter. The barter closes at 6.30. We left at 11.30 to have an extra hour. Got two kilometers out of town. The air conditioner quit working, and the vehicle overheated. And we sat for 45 minutes waiting for a new vehicle. We arrive at the barter at 6.20. We have to clear customs and immigration in Ghana. Then get a vehicle about a half a kilometer to the Ivory Coast barter. And clear there by 6.30 because they close the gate at 6.30. And if you're not through it, you sleep there till 6.30 the next morning. We got through Ghana, got to Ivory Coast at 628, got in the office, and the guy was standing there with the gate, <laughs> gave us our passports. We walked through the gate, and they locked it, and so we made it on into Ghana. But it was one of those, you know, nail biters, you know, because I had to preach at 730 the next morning, so there was no way if we didn't make it through that night, but. You know, I love traveling in Africa, and um, so every one of them asked me to greet you from their nations, and uh, we had a great time. Joe, if you can pull up that first slide. I want to talk today a little bit about what do you see. Can you, there you go. So what do you see? A duck and a rabbit. That's right. Give me the next one. Wait a minute, go back. Do you see the duck and the rabbit? Okay, the duck's facing that way and the rabbit's facing that way. Okay, got it? Okay, next one. What do you see? You're the old lady or grandma? Do you see the young lady or do you see grandma? Can you see both? Okay, if you look, here's her necklace, here's her nose, and she's facing that way, the young lady. 
are this is her nose, this is her eye, and this is her mouth, and it's grandma. <laughs> okay, if you look here, this is her necklace. This is her nose, her eye, and she's looking that way. Or, this is her nose, this is her eye, this is her mouth, and it's grandma. So, what do you see? <laughs> Everybody get them both? Okay, next. What do you see? Do you see a candle holder, or do you see two guys facing each other? Or do you see both? Okay, one more. Do you see Jesus or just a bunch of wood on the paper? Does everybody see Jesus? Any see? J E S U S. Everybody got it over here? Okay. J E S U S. Now, if you look at it from an angle, it's easier to see the Jesus that head on. Okay. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 9. And in this story of John chapter 9, it's all about what do you see? John chapter 9. In this message or in this story, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through all 41 verses very quickly. But in this narrative, we have a blind man. And we have different people that encounter this blind man. We have Jesus. We have the disciples. We have the blind man's neighbors. We have the Pharisees. And we have the blind man's parents. Each of these people encounters the same man, but each of them sees something different. What we see of the life around us is based on our own personal ideas of truth accumulated over our life experience. Each one of us sees something different when we encounter people. Let's read verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. See, Jesus saw a blind man who needed help. Jesus saw a man who needed healing, and Jesus saw a man who needed a Savior. Jesus saw this man through eyes of compassion. Then in verse 2, And the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, Jesus saw a blind man who needed a help. The disciples saw a theological dilemma. Who sinned, this man or his parents? See, we generally seek answers for the reason for suffering and pain, whose fault was it? 
And in that day and in the Jewish mindset, if you were sick or you were having a hard time, it had to be because of sin in your life. So they see this man's born blind. Did his parents do something that caused it or did he do something in the womb that caused it? Somebody has to be to blame. But see, sin is not always the reason for our suffering. Think about Job. Job had done nothing wrong. In fact, the enemy comes to God and God says, where have you been? He says, I've been roaming to and fro throughout the earth. And God said, hey, did you see Job? He's a righteous man. And Satan said, yeah, he's righteous because you have your hand on him. God said, do whatever you want. He won't blaspheme. See, it wasn't because there was sin in Job's life. It was because God trusted him enough not to fall away that he allowed the temptations to come. See, when the, when the disciples asked Jesus who sinned, they moved away from the role of a loving shepherd to the role of a judge. See, Jesus, as a good shepherd, looked at this man with compassion. He looked at him with eyes of compassion, and he wanted to heal him. The disciples, all they wanted to do was judge him. But here's the question the disciples should have asked, and this is the question you and I need to ask. This person is in need. How can I help them that brings glory to God? See, Jesus saw the man through eyes of compassion. The disciples saw the man through eye, or theological eyes. Verses 3 through 7, Jesus answers to the disciples. Actually, we want to go through verse 9, and he heals the man. Or through 8. Yeah. Chapter 9, verses 3 no, through 7. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, he made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. See, Jesus directed them away from a theological dilemma who sinned. And he moved them in the direction of seeing the glory of God at work in this man being healed. He says sin was not the issue. The issue is God receiving glory when the miracle is done. See, Jesus is the light of the world. And he brought light into the darkness of this man's soul 
brought light physically into his life. Here's where Jesus went wrong. He spit on the ground and he made clay. That's work. This is the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. Not only that, but he then took the clay and he put it on the man's eyes. And he anointed him. And then he told the man, go to the pool of Siloam and wash, which is, was against the tradition on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to travel. And the man went, obeyed, and came back healed. Jesus saw the man through the eyes of compassion. And then verses 8 through 12, the neighbors get involved. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this the blind man who sat, or is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. And this man said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said unto him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. First they were questioning, Is this the man or is this just someone that looks like him? Some of them were saying, this can't be the man that used to sit here begging because now he's no longer blind. Some of them maybe had been questioning, did we give alms to this man that's been fooling us all these years? He really could see all this time, but he was pretending to be blind. Others said, no, this is the man, and now he can see there was some great miracle then they wanted to know, how were your eyes open? So he went through the whole thing again. He spit on the ground. He made clay, put it in my eyes, told me to go to the pool. I went, I washed, and now I can see. And then they said, where is he? I don't know if they wanted to go see him to see if they could get healed or if they wanted to go see him to run him out of town. I don't know why they wanted to know where he was. But the man says, I do not know. And so the neighbors had no clue what to do at this point. So they took him to their religious leaders. See, Jesus saw the man with eyes of compassion the disciples saw him through theological eyes. His neighbors saw him through eyes of confusion. They were confused. They didn't know what to think. They didn't know what to make of this man who once was blind, but now he could see. So in verses 13 through 19, he ends up with the Pharisees. And they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. 
Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus had made the clay and opened the eyes. And then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. And others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And he said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his fight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. See, because Jesus had violated their tradition of keeping the Sabbath, then he could not be a man of God. If he broke Sabbath tradition, then he had to be a sinner. But the rules of the rabbis did not necessarily forbid all acts of mercy. If there was someone who was in in immediate danger of death, then a Jewish person could come to their aid. But being blind did not meet that criteria. So because Jesus healed him, made the clay, and healed this man on the Sabbath, he must be a sinner, and therefore he was guilty. But there's a split decision among the Pharisees. Some says he's a sinner, and some says, well, he can't be a sinner, or he couldn't do this great thing. And there's this tension between them. The Pharisees did not believe that this man had ever been blind. They just thought this is a big setup. Somebody's trying to pull something over on us to get us to admit that this man, Jesus, is from God. So what do they do? They call for his parents. Jesus saw with eyes of compassion. The disciples saw with eyes of theology. The neighbors saw with eyes of confusion. And here the Pharisees are looking at this situation with eyes of tradition. Sometimes we in the church are guilty of looking through eyes of theology, sometimes eyes of confusion, don't understand what's going on. Sometimes we look through eyes of tradition. You know, they say the last words of a dying church is we've never done it that way before. Sometimes God changes the way things happen. We see something happening in the world, in the church, we don't understand it, we start arguing theology or we start arguing church tradition and that's what these guys did. So we see the parents in verses 20 to 23. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. 
His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, the parents said, he is of age, ask him. The parents came and testified, this is our son. He was born blind. We have no idea how he can see today. And we're not going to talk anymore about it. He's of age. Go ask him. Let him talk for himself. Because they were afraid to confront the Jews. They were afraid to stand up for their son in this miracle that happened in his life because they would have been cast out of the synagogue. Because of their religious beliefs, their religious traditions, believing in the, what the Pharisees said, the parents saw their son and they acted through the eyes of fear. Sometimes maybe we see a situation at work and we don't speak into it, we don't act, we don't get involved because we're afraid, oh, in this country if I do something maybe I will lose my job. It's true, you may. But what's best? Having a good job and disobeying the prompting of God? Or taking a chance that God can see you through when you step out for Him and still keep your job? Amen? So the Pharisees, verses 24 through 34, they question this man again. I'm not going to read all of those again just to save time. But 24 through 34, the Pharisees are questioning this man again. They say, you must give God the glory. Don't say it was this man, Jesus. Give God the glory. Because they didn't believe that he was a prophet. The man answered. Listen to this. I love this guy's testimony. And this is the way you testify. You just tell what happened to you. Here's what this man says. I do not know if he is a sinner or not, but this I know. I was blind and now I see. He says, I don't know if what you're saying about this man is true or not. He may be a sinner. I don't know. But I know this. I woke up this morning like I've woken up every morning my entire life blind. And then I met this man named Jesus. And he touched me. And now I can see. And he said, they asked him again, then what did he do to you? And I love his testimony. He said, I've already told you. Do you want to know it again? Verse 27. I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> I mean, this guy, listen to this. I mean, he just met Jesus. He's got this healing in his life. These guys are the religious rulers of the day and he's testifying 
to them. Do you want to be his disciples? And they said, we do not know where he is from. And he answers in verse 30. And the man said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. In other words, I don't care where he's from. He could be from Mars for all I care. I know this morning I was blind and now I can see. You may be worried where he's from. I don't care. All I know is he touched me and he healed me. And the man said, he is from God because he touched me. Verse 31, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Verse 34, and they answered and said unto him, you were completely born in sin, and you are teaching us, and they cast him out of the synagogue. They saw him this time, not through eyes of tradition, but through eyes of denial, that he was the Son of God, and he was a miracle worker. And then I love the end of this chapter. This is one of my favorite sections of scripture, especially as a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist or anyone who works for God. This shows the importance of follow-up. Verse 35, And Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said unto him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Then Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you say we see, therefore your sin remains. See, after Jesus heard that this man was cast out of the synagogue, Jesus went and found him. We don't know how much later this is. We don't know where he was. But we know that Jesus went looking for this man who had been born blind and Jesus had healed him. And he testified of the goodness of Jesus and he was kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus went to find him to encourage him. 
And Jesus revealed himself to this man. This man believed in Jesus and worshipped him. See, before all Jesus had done was taken this man out of physical darkness and brought light to him to where he could see. Now Jesus comes back and follows up with him and brings light to a darkened, sinful heart. And the man accepts Jesus and comes and worships him. See, Jesus saw this man with eyes of compassion. I just want to take a couple of minutes and ask a few questions today that hopefully will get you thinking and will get your heart stirred. How do you see people in need? When you look at someone like this man born blind, what do you see? I pray that all of us see like Jesus did with eyes of compassion, but I'm afraid that sometime we see through theological eyes and try to start analyzing what's the problem, why are they in this situation, and try to get it all figured out theologically so that we can argue with them from the scripture to get their life right rather than just being moved with compassion and trying to meet their need. Sometimes we see them with eyes of confusion like the neighbors. We just don't know what happened. We don't know what to do with it. It is, it is outside of our box of reference. I'll give you a funny illustration. We were on the mission field and we heard about this phenomenon that was going on in some of the Pentecostal churches of people falling out and all of these things. Well, I'm from a Pentecostal background. Sometimes those things can happen. And so I go home to a conference in our church, and our church seats 6,500 people, so it's huge. And I said, I'm not going down under any circumstance. I don't care what the guy does. He can push, he can spit, he can do whatever. I'm not going down. And what I will do is I will stay away from him. In a church of 6,500 people, you can get as far away from the pulpit as you want. You can sit in the back corner and the people on the platform look like ants. But so be it, the pastor wanted all the missionaries to sit on the front row. So I'm sitting on the front row and this guy's preaching and he's all the way on the other side of the church. And right in the middle of his message, he stops and he looks at me and he points. And he says, don't tell God what he can do. And I don't know what happened, but a few minutes later, I got up off the floor and got back into my chair. And so for the next hour throughout his message, regardless of where he was in the church, because he walked all over down the aisles, Every now and then he would stop and he would look at me and he would just point. 
And a few minutes later, I would get up off the floor and get back in my chair. And finally, I said, okay, God, I don't understand it, but you can do whatever you want to do. Just please leave me alone. I still don't understand it. But I know it was God because of the way it happened. Sometimes we are confused. We just don't understand it. But don't start judging something God is doing to other people just because you don't understand it. Ask God to show you whether it is him or not. Okay? That's just a simple illustration. Hasn't happened to me again. Okay? So I don't know. That was just a lesson for me. Be careful what you question that I'm doing. Sometimes we do it through tradition. I remember I gave my heart to the Lord at the age of 21 in a Baptist church. And they talked about you needed to be water baptized. I believe it. You get saved, you need to be water baptized. But that wasn't the tradition I was raised in. I was raised in a Presbyterian tradition. I was sprinkled when I was a little guy about two weeks old. My mom died when I was about 12 or 13. She was sprinkled when she was a baby. And I know she was a good Christian because she used to pray for me all the time and read the word to me and took me to church and Sunday school up until the day that she died. And so in my tradition... I said, if sprinkling was good enough for my mom, and I know she's in heaven, then sprinkling is good enough for me. And so I refused to get baptized. Until I started reading scripture and saw that it was actually in the book. <laughs> that, you know, Jesus was baptized and he commanded people to be baptized. So then I wanted to get baptized every Sunday. <laughs> You know, if once is good, two or three or four times must be better. And then it was explained to me properly, okay? But sometimes we come to situations and we come to God and everything we do is based on the tradition of where we were raised rather than searching the scripture to see what God says. I've told you my testimony several times about growing up in the deep south of the United States and being very racist. Uh, the home that my wife and I own now was built with slave labor. I grew up on a cotton plantation that my ancestors used to be slave owners. I could take you to the places and show you where all of the slave houses were on our property because of the garlic and the flowers that were just growing up out of nowhere. I was taught by my church that I grew up in, that same Presbyterian church till this day, black people are not allowed. But right down the church, right down the road from me, one mile the other direction, is a African American church where white people are not allowed. So it was both sides of the street. It wasn't a one-way thing. Everybody was racist at that time. 
I didn't go to school with blacks. I didn't work with blacks. didn't ride the bus. We even had separate water fountains because we were taught by our tradition that I was better because my skin was white and their skin was black. And then when I was 21, I met a name, man named Jesus and started reading the scriptures and found out in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, we're all one in Christ. And God broke that in my heart. And then he sent us to Africa as missionaries. Now my oldest son has adopted a little Tanzanian guy, so I have an African grandson. See, that's the mercy and the grace of God when we get delivered from our tradition. See, my family taught me to be racist. My church taught me to be racist. My society taught me to be racist. But when I met God, all of that tradition changed to come in line with his word. Amen. Someone came and saw me before service and asked how the trip was, and I was talking about it. And they said, oh, I can see you like Africa. Well, that's where our heart is. Because God turned my life around 180 degrees away from tradition. And then some of us, regardless of whether it's in the word or not, if it's not what we believe, we just deny it and turn away from it. Like the Pharisees did. I believe by this man's testimony, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I was blind, now I can see. I don't know where he's from. All I know is I was blind, and now I can see. I don't know anything about this man, but I do know this, I was blind, and now I can see. And even you teach that a man that's a sinner can't do these great things. So if he has done this and I was blind and now I can see, which is true, then he must be from God. And I think that testimony touched something in them, but they could not take that step of faith to believe that Jesus was the Messiah and they denied. So I hope today that you will ask God what you need to do in your life. What is in your life that keeps you from seeing people like Jesus sees people? And ask Him to give you eyes of compassion that when you see someone in need, the first thing you do is say, God, how can I glorify you by helping this person in need. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for this wonderful story of this man born blind that received a healing touch from Jesus. Father, we see several different reactions to the man's blindness and to the healing touch. Some people relied on their theology and some were just confused and some were afraid. 
Others looked at their tradition or just denied that it even happened. Father, I thank you that Jesus always has eyes of compassion. He looked on the multitudes and saw that they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And he told his disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest would see workers into the field. Father, here he saw a man in need and he met that need because of his compassion. Father, I thank you that everyone in this building, we were created in your image. We have been born again. We have been filled with your spirit to do the works that Jesus did. He said the things that he did we would do and even greater things. But Father, that will only happen as we get rid of our eyes of theology and our eyes of confusion and our eyes of fear and our eyes of tradition and our eyes of denial. Father, I ask today that you would do eye surgery on every one of us in this room and that, Father, you would give us eyes of compassion. That, Father, when we look at the world, we see people the way Jesus sees them and that's people with a need and people that need healing or need a touch from God. But more importantly than that, they are people that need a Savior. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. And may we go from this place with the peace that passes all understanding, ruling and reigning in our hearts till we come back again next week. And may you go this week with eyes of compassion for those in need around you. In Jesus' name, amen.